0: Little ones today, or the little ones that maybe are even a little bit older, it doesn't matter. Just want to talk a little bit about the birth of Jesus. It's coming along, right? We've been waiting now four weeks in this season of Advent, watching, watching, counting down the weeks. We have all of our candles lit on the Advent wreath. We're getting close. What day is it now coming up this week that we celebrate Christmas? Uh, yeah, it's uh, the 25th. I guess. So, and Christmas Eve, of course, the 24th. So it's exciting. We're almost there. And so as we think about how close we are to Christmas and the story of the birth of Jesus, I thought I would bring from my house pieces of the nativity set that I had when I was a child. So they remind me of some of the people in Jesus' life in those early days. So let's see, do we remember the name of the mother of Jesus? Mary, Mary, of course. And so let me just show you, I don't know if you can see it. This is not Mary that is um, at least 68 years old. Wow. She might be older. She's held up fairly well. And then as part of the story goes, how did she find out that she would be the mother of Jesus? I'll give you a hint. All right. The angel Gabriel came and told her that part of the story. So the angel said to Mary, Mary here, you are going to be a mother and you will have a baby and his name will be Jesus. And Jesus will be the son of God known as the son of God and still will be the son of God right and so Mary was excited but Mary wasn't the only one that Gabriel visited who else did Gabriel visit aunt. Gabriel visited you yeah, know all the this person right there can you guess who this is Joseph. So when Jesus grew up, he had a father on earth too, and so he had Joseph, and the angel Gabriel came to Joseph and said, Mary is going to have a baby, and her name, uh, you will name that baby Jesus, and Jesus will grow up to be uh, the king of David, and the son of God, and will be great and mighty. And Joseph said, Oh, yes, that's a lovely and wonderful thing. And so we have in the early days, anyway, of the Christmas story, some very important people. In Mary and Joseph and even the angel, Jesus could not have been born into the world without a family here on earth. To take care of Jesus and raise him and make sure that he grew up to be an adult so that he could tell us then all about God's love for us. So Mary and Joseph are very important in remembering the story of Jesus and as we get close to Jesus it's important also to remember how important family is And family, like all of us together, are a church family. And it's important that in the middle of our family and our time together, whether it's on Zoom or whether it's in the church building when that day comes again, that Jesus is always the center of our family, reminding us how much God loves us and reminding us that we all have a job to do in raising Jesus up, lifting Jesus up, and telling the whole world that Jesus is the son of God. Kind of like the angel told Mary and Joseph, that's our job too. So this is our prayer for us today. Gracious God, may you bless our holy family like you blessed Jesus' holy family, and may Jesus shine with love, And grace through all the things that we do and say each and every day. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So throughout the centuries, artists have rendered the Annunciation scene in very formal ways, preserving Mary and the angel Gabriel for posterity in wood, in paint, in glass. And while their styles and colors have varied, so often Mary is pictured um, the greatest example of femininity. She's dressed in yards and yards of silk and brocade. Her golden hair is plaited like a crown on top of her head. Her nails are perfectly manicured. And she looks so composed that it's hard to remember that Mary was just a girl who had precious little experience with men or angels or the world. In art, she is usually shown either spinning or reading at her prayer desk, absorbed in her work, when out of nowhere comes this magnificent angel, as beautiful as he is, dressed like a papal emissary with a tiara on his head or a garland of flowers studded with flames. In most pictures, the feathers of his great spread wings are white, but at least in one medieval painting, the feathers are the color of a peacock, all iridescent greens and blues. And in his hand, he holds a lily, an olive branch, and a royal scepter. Signs of purity, peace, and the authority that he brings from God. Somewhere in the Annunciation scene, you can usually find a dove, a sign that what is happening is happening under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But down below, everything really depends on Mary. Gabriel is not standing over her. He's kneeling in front of the girl, upon whose answer he and God and all of creation depend. But Mary didn't really get to give an answer, did she? The angel didn't ask her if she would like to be the mother of God. He told her that God had been gracious to her and that she would bear a son and that he would be the king of Israel forever. The angel did not ask her how that sounded to her or whether she would like to try out that role for a while and maybe give Jesus back if she wasn't satisfied. The Lord is with you, he told her. And Luke tells us that Mary was much perplexed by his words. She knew her Bible after all, She had heard about the Garden of Eden and how Eve had bungled things by believing that uh, what she was told by an equally strange visitor and creature uh, might also be happening to her. Perhaps Mary didn't want to make the same mistake. But in any case, she interrogated the angel. She said, how can this be? She wanted to know exactly whose idea it was, and exactly how it would happen. She wanted to make sense out of what really to her at that moment made no sense, that God had decided to surrender to flesh and blood, but needed her help, needed her surrender as well in order to carry out this plan of God. So she asks, how can this be? And that is all she asks. I think if I were Mary, there were several other questions I would have asked, such as, will Joseph stick around? Will my parents still love me? Will my friends stand by me? Or will I get dragged into town and in stone for sleeping around? Will the labor be hard? Will there be someone there to help me when the time comes? You say the child will be the king of Israel, But what about me? Am I going to survive his birth? What role am I going to play in the life of Jesus as he grows? If such questions occurred to Mary, she did not ask them. According to Luke, she listened as the angel told her the barest details about how it would all come to pass. And then came her time to speak. It was going to happen, that much seemed clear, but still she had a choice whether to say yes to it or no, whether to take hold of the unknown life the angel held out to her or to defend herself against it however she could. Mary was the only one in the history of the world who had that particular decision to make. The Eastern Church knows her as Theotokos, the God-bearer, who consented to carry, to give birth to, to nurse, and to raise up the Son of God. Only one person ever has been drafted to do that. But still, it's hard to hear her story without hearing more than a little of our own. There is a lot to talk about these days, about all the choices that we have, and about how it's up to us to make our own choices as we live. But more often than not, the choices that we make really seem to be situations that choose us. Our best-laid tenure plans are interrupted by life's own plans for us. Maybe a sudden illness, maybe a baby that comes to our life out of surprises. Uh, Maybe aging parents that need us more than we thought they did. Maybe an economy that shifts, maybe a pandemic comes along. Terrible things happen and wonderful things happen, but seldom do we know ahead of time exactly what will happen to us. Like Mary, our choices often boil down to yes or no. Yes, I will live this life that is being held out to me, or no, I will not. Yes, I'll explore this unexpected turn of events, or no, I will not. If you decide to say no, you simply drop your eyes and you refuse to look up until you know that the angel has left the room. Then you smooth your hair and go back to your spinning or your reading or whatever it is that you were doing and you pretend that nothing happened. If your life begins to change anyway, you have several options. You can first be stoic. Then you can refuse to accept it. You can put all of your energy into ignoring it and insist in spite of all the evidence that it's not happening to you. If that doesn't work, you can become angry, actively defending yourself against the unknown and spending all your time trying to get your life back the way it used to be. And then, of course, you can become bitter, comparing yourself to everyone else whose life is more agreeable than yours and lamenting your unhappy fate. If you succeed in this, your life may not be an easy one, but you can rest assured that no angels will ever trouble you again. Or you can decide to say yes. You can decide to be a daredevil, A test pilot, a gambler. You can set your book down and listen to the strange creature's strange idea. You can decide to take part in a plan that you didn't choose, doing things you do not know how to do for reasons that you do not entirely understand. You can take part in a thrilling and dangerous scheme with no script and no guarantees. You can agree to smuggle God into the world inside your own body. Deciding to say yes does not mean that you are unafraid, by the way. It just means that you are not willing to let your fear keep you locked in your room. So you say yes to the angel. You say, here I am, Let it be with me according to your word. And so saying, you become one of Mary's people, one more Theotokos, who is willing to bear God into the world through everything that you do, everything that you say. We are all meant to be mothers of God, wrote Meister Eckhart a medieval mystic and theologian. He says, What good is it to me if this eternal birth of the design of the divine son takes place unceasingly but does not take place within myself? And what good is it to me if Mary is full of grace and if I am not also full of grace?" What good is it to me for the creator to give birth to his son if I do not also give birth to him in my time and in my culture? This, then, is the fullness of time, when the Son of God is begotten in us. So, greetings, favored ones. The Lord is with you, too. Do not be afraid, for nothing is impossible with our God. Amen.